0: It's Beer O'Clock, the hoppiest happy hour of the week. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of beervana for more than 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I'm bartending today in our virtual pub where we meet once a week to celebrate great beer. You know, our show is overflowing with great stuff today, so pull up a bar stool, grab a pint, and sit yourself down because we are going to talk beer for the next hour. Hey, do you know what a firkin' is? Well, I can tell you one thing. Once you've had a naturally carbonated beer out of a firkin', you might not want to go back to regular kegs. Rogue is planning to have a firkin' good time with a bunch of them at the upcoming Rogue Firkin' Fest at the Green Dragon on Saturday, February 21st. And the official president of Rogue Nation himself, Brett Joyce, joins us with the details on the festival. Our homebrew chef, Sean Paxton, joins us with a great beer and food pairings, plus, of course, some incredible ideas for cooking with beer. Just what does our homebrew chef have on the menu this time around? Well, I can guarantee it will be something to make all of our stomachs growl and help us celebrate Mardi Gras. But you will just have to hang out in our virtual pub a bit to find out for yourself because Sean is joining us in the second half of the show. And Bridgeport Brewing is offering a new brew sort of. It's called Conviction Ale, and if it tastes familiar, it's because it is. It's out of Bridgeport's Trilogy Project last year. Now it's back with an interesting new name, and brewmaster Jeff Edgerton will join us in our last call segment with the story behind the beer. But what do you say we get this party started? And here to do just that is Belmont Station's chief bottle opener, Carl Singmaster, here to bring us his tasting notes on some great new bottled brews to keep an eye out for. Hi, Carl.
1: Good afternoon. Beer Goddess. Uh, I understand and our phone's not working so well, so uh, it's my, my, my problem, so I'll sound even raspier than normal.
0: Well, I do as well, but it's not because of the line. It's because I'm still battling that ridiculous crud that's going around. But uh, uh, yeah. but every day it gets a little bit better. So hopefully by uh, next week my, uh, I'll be my usual chatty self, which I'm sure everybody will love to hear. <laughs> yeah, truly, truly, we do. <laughs> so well, let's get started. What do you have for us today?
1: Three Creeks Brewing in Sisters, Oregon. They've added a production brewery to supplement their cozy little brew pub. Yeah. And that means we'll see more of their brews on store shelves all about the area. Mm Mm-hmm. So now if you like their flagship five-pine porter, and most porter lovers do, you must not miss the limited release of 10-pine chocolate porter in 22-ounce bottles.
0: Yum, yum. Yes.
1: Now 10-pine is brewed with double the chocolate malt, double the Belgian chocolate, and then it's conditioned with organic Cacao nibs. Wow. Yeah, so that means this is a chocolate lover, porter lover's dream,
0: right? Yes. (laughs) Sounds like just the thing right before uh, Valentine's Day.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that. The nose is uh, um, chocolate, yeah? (laughs) And the the flavor of this what is a full-bodied jet black beer is uh, chocolate. Chocolate? Chocolate. Yes, it's a velvety, smooth, and really alluring blend of milk and dark Mm -hmm. chocolate. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, naturally, because of all that extra malt, the five pine is stronger than the ten pine. Uh And ten pines, yeah, really a sipper that leans sweet, but the cacao nibs offer a pleasant, bitter snap that kind of lingers slightly longer than the sweeter chocolate into the finish. Nice. Three Creek's ten pine chocolate porter.
0: So you're saying there's some chocolate in there?
1: No, I think so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it sounds like the the um, the cow nibs kind of offer a nice little balancing bitterness. I
1: that's that's how I take it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it sounds delicious. I got to give that one a try because I do like chocolate. <laughs> yeah. who doesn't. Well, I, a couple of people maybe, but uh, yeah. certainly not me. What else do you have today, Carl?
1: Well, Walking Man Brewing, mm-hmm. picturesque Stevens in Washington. Yes, they've gone through a series of changes in recent years, and uh, frankly. During a short part of that period, their beer had a uh, few ups and downs. Really especially surprising considering how stellar they had been previously. Correct. Such a long time. Yes. But by most accounts, all is well now, and to prove it, they've issued their first ever bottle.
0: I'm so happy to hear this, and I'm glad that their stuff has gotten good.
1: Yes, and yeah. I know that uh, fans of the brewery are thinking, is it black cherry stout or homo erectus?
0: <laughs> and the answer is?
1: It's the latter.
0: Ah, yes.
1: Homo Erectus. It's a copper-colored Imperial IPA with a really pleasant aroma of grapefruit and strong caramel malt. It's quite viscous on the palate. That sweet caramel malt and some resiny hops stand out. Mm-hmm. It's more caramely than I recall, but then it has been a couple of years since I indulged in
0: one. Right, so, correct.
1: Now, late into the palate, bitterness ushers out that caramel, as though the resiny hop grip has won the battle over sweet malt. <laughs> And thus it ends, a solid finish for a much-loved Washington Gorge Brewery, Walking Man's Homo Erectus Imperial IPA,
0: now in bottles. Ah, yes. And, of course, everybody's saying, okay, is the next one going to be the Black Cherry Stout? <laughs> I could almost bet on it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I hope it is, because you hear a lot of people wanting that in bottles, so hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be seeing that on the shelves eventually as well. Definitely. Okay. I've Great. heard rumors. Yes, me too. Great to hear that uh, Walking Man is doing that, though. So good for them. We're talking with Carl Singmaster at Belmont Station, Chief Bottle Opener, who is bringing us some um, really inspired tasting notes on some of the great beers that we can find uh, around the area. What else do you have for us today, Carl?
1: Well, Stone Brewing's gotten a lot of attention for their enjoy by dated IPAs. Yes. And, and, you know, if you think it through, they're really doing what pretty much every IPA brewer should do by putting a Best Buy date on their bottles. Yes. They just did it with a shorter expiration than most, and they made it so big that the consumer can't miss it.
0: Right, right. And they and they made you know they they put it on the label big, and it's part of the name, so it has to you know it, it, you pay a lot of attention to it.
1: it that is true, and they, even the Stone's commitment to to follow Enjoy Buy throughout the distribution and retail chain is to be applauded. Mm-hmm. Because in order to receive an allocation of Enjoy Buy, retailers have to promise they will destroy it if any is left after that date. Yes although i have gotten reports of some uh, growler fill taps pouring out of date enjoy by
0: i've seen a few around myself but uh, but, uh, but they
1: but they weren't they weren't any right in, in the immediate area where i live
0: so no no, 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 no.
1: Um, anyway enough of enjoy by because now stone has released an enjoy after ipa <laughs> enjoy after 122615 so oh my goodness it, what wait a minute, what's going on here?
0: <laughs> exactly. I would think that most people who know that uh, IPAs are better enjoyed fresher would say, what's this enjoy after thing then?
1: Well, here they've dosed each bottle with Ah! And
0: that,
1: as you know, is a yeast that will cause a wide range of flavors to develop over time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, he says enjoy after, but, you know, of course, like a little boy, I had to open one right now.
0: Of course. Everybody does.
1: Yeah. The only fear was that perhaps enough carbonation wouldn't have developed from the Britanamyces right. bottle conditioned it. Right. But really the enjoy after poured with a billowy white head on top of a bright, gently hazed golden yellow body. Smelled delicious. And the website does says you can actually open one anytime after twelve twenty six fourteen, which had already passed when the beer arrived in Oregon. So well there you go. So I was okay after all. <laughs> and now to be sure the the blast of tropical hoppiness that catches your nose first now that will never again be as strong as it is now. Right. And it rides along with a fruity yeast character. That may continue. And in the taste, the rustic grip customary to Brettanomyces. hmm While the beer is young, that is, that, that slight rusticness. Now that takes charge a little bit, and it mates very well with some hot bitterness. Mhm. The finish is desert dry. Wow. And it's deliciously bitter. So you know what can happen with Botanomyces. It could go into Barnyard Funk. It can get super citrusy, lemony. All sorts of things can happen as this beer develops. So I think I'll buy a case mm-hmm. and open one every two months to enjoy and see what happens before and after 12, 26, 15.
0: I think that's a brilliant idea because then you can really see what Brett does as it goes along through the process.
1: Yes, and it's such a delicious beer, and I find myself really enjoying Brett. Based beers so these days so much. Mm-hmm. That I, I I just look forward to this all the way through its process.
0: You know, I think I'm gonna have to do the same thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a case as well. You know what we could do is we could do it on off months. So oh, yeah, you, we
1: could Yeah, we hey, do it one month, there, you know, we
0: off there we go. <laughs> there we go. I think that's what we do. We'll make that happen because that sounds like oh. a lot of fun. Very cool. That was Stone and Joy after after
1: twelve twenty six fifteen.
0: Excellent. We've got just a little less than a minute. Uh, actually, we have about thirty seconds. You want to give uh, one more quickie or?
1: Oh, we'll just give you a quick hit uh, for those that are fans of the Cascadian Dark style. Mm-hmm. Lagunitas Nighttime is back. Ah. Uh, that's going to give you everything you want. You know they're known for hops. It's a really nice burly Cascadian Dark or Black IPA. I'd <laughs> of the Dark, but I wouldn't. I'd drink at nighttime anytime.
0: That sounds delicious to me as well. Carl, as always, it's a pleasure. Cheers, beer. Cheers, and we'll have more Beer Clock coming up right after this on the Radio Northwest Network.
2: 1,300 beers.
0: That got your attention, eh? Well, that's how many different beers are available daily at Belmont Station, not to mention 150 ciders and 75 meads. And with all the seasonals and limited editions, that huge selection changes weekly. Yet as impressive as those numbers are, it's quality, not quantity, that sets Belmont Station apart. We carefully rotate and store every bottle that comes our way, so you know you're getting the best that's available. Plus, our knowledgeable and passionate team members love helping you find something special. Whether you're looking for beers from a particular country, choosing gifts, or just finding out what's new and exciting.
2: 1,300 beers.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. But at Belmont Station, there's one number that really does matter to us. 17 years. That's how long Belmont Station has been Portland's source for better beer, cider, and mead. Visit Belmont Station. Have a pint in our cozy beer cafe. Sip your way into our shop and pick out bottles, cans, and growlers to go. Belmont Station. 45th and Stark in Southeast Portland. It's Beer O'Clock, the show for people who love great beer. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub the heart of birvana for 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison and I'm tending bar in our virtual pub. We meet here once a week at this time to talk beer on great radio stations around the Pacific Northwest and you can also catch us live streamed at this time on kxl.com anywhere on the planet. Plus we are open 24/7 which means you can join us for a pint any time of the day or night on our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud or on kxl.com and however you get here Thanks for talking beer with us. Well, they're brewing up a firkin good time over at the Green Dragon. That's where the annual Firkin Fest is taking place in a couple of weeks. Now, if you like traditional cask beers or if you are, shall we say, cask curious, this is the festival for you. Rogue President Joyce uh, Brett, Brett Joyce joins us to give us all the details on this unique event. How's it going, Brett?
3: Uh, doing great, Lucia. You, you sound like a substitute teacher that used to always call me Joyce in grade school.
0: No, oh, really? Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I was having trouble with the Joyce and Joins, actually, but uh, <laughs> that's just because my mouth refuses to work sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, for people who are unfamiliar, because it is kind of an unusual term, you have to admit, what exactly is a firkin?
3: Well, so the, so the firkin is the is the vessel that the beer is in, and mm-hmm. the, the firkin style of of beer is an unpasteurized, unfiltered uh, beer that's naturally carbonated and served basically at cellar temperature of about 55 degrees. So um, so it's a wonderful style that brings out some really unique flavors in. in the beer through the, through the firkin.
0: Yeah. So this is, this is a beer that isn't in the regular keg. It's um, not going to be forced carbonated. It's not going to be pushed through um, a line into your glass through CO2 and all of the fermentation actually just, just occurs naturally right inside the, inside the cask. That's exactly right. Awesome. Now, what inspired you guys to start up a firkin festival? This is your sixth annual, right? Yeah, this is
3: actually the the eighth annual fricking fest on Sorry. February twenty first, and um, we really inherited this from the the previous uh, folks that founded the Green Dragon. They, uh. um, you know, they had they had done it. We thought it was a fun tradition to, to honor, and we really find that a lot of people are, as you said, are quite frickin' curious. It's a it's a unique style, and it's it's rare to get a chance to try so many different styles um, from so many different great breweries all at one at one spot. So it's been a really fun tradition for us now in the in its eighth year.
0: Wow, it's fantastic. And um, you said that this was happening on February 21st at the Green Dragon. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the festival, when it starts, stuff like that?
3: Sure. So it starts at 11 o'clock, so it runs 11 to 6. Admission is $10. That includes a uh, souvenir glass and five taster tickets. And there's also a uh, VIF session, a very impressive firkin section, which <laughs> that's held in the, in the back, the, mm-hmm. in the barrel room.
0: Oh.
2: that will
3: feature some special uh, firkins from... The Buckman Brewery, uh, Ecliptic, Three Mugs, and Fatheads Breweries, and they're all going to bring a unique firkin that will be available only at the VIS session, along with their brewmasters to to talk about the, the products with the people that uh, join for the VIF.
0: And I'm I'm assuming that that's a little extra cost. That sounds like an upcharge, right there.
3: It is. Yeah, that's going to be uh, twenty five dollars, and that does get you in also to the to the main firkin fest.
0: Oh, nice, nice. And when does the the the, I-F, the very important or very impressive firkin um, session um, start?
3: So that's two p.m. runs two p.m. to four p.m. So it runs concurrently along with the Frickin Festival.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now uh, you mentioned some of um, some great brewers um, that are going to be at the VIF. What are some of the different brewers that uh, we can expect at the just the regular general session of the Frickin Fest?
3: Yeah, j- just a few highlights. Gigantic will be there. Uh, our friends at Seaside Brewing. Burnside Brewing, Deschutes, Two Kilts, uh, Ex Novo, Seven Brides, Oakshire, just name a few. Wow,
0: that's a lot. And, you know, I remember in times past when I've been there, it's kind of cool because sometimes you'll get something completely different from these guys that they haven't done before. And then sometimes you'll get a beer that um, that you're very familiar with in the regular carbonated way. But you get to try it um on on a on cask instead in a firkin that makes a big difference, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I think that's part of the the fun of it for people is they might have as you said, a beer they've had over the years many, many times, but it's almost like they're having that that beer for the first time when they experience it through the through the firkin so yeah, it's a uh, it's like an old friend that uh you know got a a new haircut and lost <laughs> three pounds. It's kind of like that.
0: Yeah right. You hardly recognize it, but uh, there's a little bit of familiarity there for sure. So are you going to have some um, some special one offs from some of the brewers, or is it going to be mostly some stuff we're familiar with? Or
3: yeah, it's really it's really a mix, and we mm-hmm. we we enjoy the fact that it's it's one off Firkins and it's combined with the the kind of old traditional standbys uh, reprised in a firkin So yeah, I mean, I definitely encourage people to come on town and. Whatever, whatever they're going to get a chance to put in their mouth is going to be something they, they probably haven't had before, at least uh, yeah. in the fur conversion.
0: Yeah, sounds like it. And speaking of putting stuff in your in your mouth, is there any food available for this as well?
3: Uh, we are going to have some amazing um, uh, food there. We have oysters. We have sausage. Uh, we'll have some cheese as well, so we'll have some nice food to uh, kind of balance out all the wonderful beer.
0: Nice, nice. We're talking with Brett Joyce of Rogue Ales, uh, talking about the Furkin Festival that is happening um, on February 21st. That's um, Saturday, and it goes from 11 until when again? At six. 11
3: to six. 11
0: to six um, at the Green Dragon. Now. Um, this is not your typical, you just tap a keg thing. Firkins are, it's a little bit of hands-on work to get a firkin tapped. And you're going to be doing how many of these?
3: Yeah, we have uh, 30, right around 30, um, thirty, thirty-five firkins of beer. We have one cider firkin. I should mention that from our friends over at Cider Riot. And yeah, it's, as you said, it's a lot of work to, to crack the firkins open. You usually use a big wooden mallet and get a, get a, big, uh, get a big splash as you crack open the firkin. <laughs> So it's uh, it's quite a display and a little bit messy to open 35 somewhat firkins.
0: Yeah, and you're going to have to do this all before 11 o'clock when it opens, right?
3: That's right. Oh, yeah, my we'll be goodness. Ready.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, wear your protective clothing. Now, fortunately, it will all be tapped by the time um, the um, the patrons arrive, so they don't have to worry about that sort of thing. But um, it is a lot of work and a lot of hands-on to get those um, firkins tapped. It's uh, quite a labor of love you guys are doing over there.
3: Yeah, it is, and uh, that's kind of the. It's probably why it's it is so rare because it is uh, does require so much hands-on TLC. But that's that's kind of beauty of it. And uh, if I could mention one more thing, which is that uh, the proceeds from the Fur Confess do benefit the Buckman Elementary School Arts Program, which is an amazing cause at a local great school here right around the corner from the, the green dragon
0: awesome perfect so uh, great beer for a great cause you can't say no to that and that again is the Ferkin festival running february 21st at the green dragon and uh, people can buy tickets where do they get that
3: uh, they can go to rogue.com our website to, to buy tickets or uh, if it doesn't sell out which it probably will uh, you can't purchase them the the day of but i would encourage people to
0: to go online to
3: get their tickets now.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much, Brett. And we'll have more of your clock right after this.
4: Did you know that Lompoc Beer has been brewing great local beer for more than 15 years? Hi, I'm Lompoc Head Brewer Brian Kilty. Whether you're enjoying a C-note on the outdoor patio at the Hedge House, a Lompoc Special draft, and a bowl of our award-winning chowder at the Lompoc Tavern, or a new seasonal at any of our convenient locations, you can drink in the knowledge that each pint of Lompoc beer is made locally and served at its peak. So come on down to one of our Lompoc locations, and bring your friends and family, and find out for yourself why we always say Lompoc beer means local beer.
2: Hi folks, Chris Nettinger here, owner and brewmaster at Hopworks Urban Brewery. When you pick up a bottle of Hopworks beer or visit one of our brew pubs, you can rest assured that we've made every effort to give you an environmentally thoughtful alternative. Come on into Hopworks Urban Brewery on Southeast Powell and the new Hopworks Bike Bar on North Williams and explore a menu filled with organic vegetables and hormone-free meats. And of course, our world-class organic beer. Our amazing food, service, and beer are some of the best you'll find anywhere. So relax, enjoy, and raise a pint to living with purpose at Hopworks Urban Brewery. In Viking mythology, there was a god named Loki, the bad boy of the spirit world, brewing up havoc wherever he went. In Oregon, we have our own Loki, Fearless Brewing Company's Loki Red Ale, made from the magical waters of the Clackamas River. Named one of the top ten beers in Portland by Willamette Week in their 2013 Beer Guide, Loki Red promises rich complexity with just the right amount of bitterness. Fearless Loki Red Ale in 16-ounce cans at all of your better retail locations. Fearless, the beer that made Estacada famous.
0: beer clock the show for people who love great beer brought to you by the horse brass pub the heart of beer for 38 years i'm lisa morrison the beer goddess You know, I always look forward to our monthly cooking sessions with the homebrew chef Sean Paxton, but this one is very special because it's our sixth anniversary, and because this is the last time Sean and I will be on the show. Because Sean was one of my first regulars on the show, I wanted to take a moment right now to let everyone here in our virtual pub know that I'm shutting down Beer Clock Radio at the end of February to spend more time on some other pursuits. But in the meantime, we're going to have a ton of fun here in our virtual pub, so what you got going on for us this time, Sean? Well, first off, I have to say
2: congratulations to six years. That's a huge milestone. Thank you. Thank and you. second of all, I think it's amazing because what you've captured in six years in craft beer and the beer industry in itself, I think is phenomenal. And thank you for all you've done. It's, it's, uh, it's a really neat thing that you've done with the show.
0: Well, thank you very much. And stop talking because you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I was thinking about this as far as celebration. And, you know, February is always an interesting month anyway, with Fat Tuesday and the beginning of Lent. And, of course, Mardi Gras. Yes, one of my favorites. uh, Thinking about flavors and celebrations and carnival and all that fun that goes with it, I couldn't help but think a little bit about beer cuisine and Mardi Gras and the whole New Orleans Creole thing that they got going on down there south
0: yeah um, and i gotta tell you some that is like hands down some of my favorite food ever i don't know it's like
2: soul food it's good
0: for your uh, soul you it know, it, it, it
2: warms you up it's just oh it's so good
0: it warms you up and makes you want to just boogie all night long with all those festivals and everything right all the parades Uh, and and,
2: dance the zydeco and yeah yeah
0: yeah, definitely so I'm thinking you're talking like gumbo and you're talking jambalaya oh yeah
2: all that good stuff so what's the difference between etouffee gumbo and jambalaya you You know
0: know, I'm not sure that I do I know that I like them all and um, (laughs) I think I probably could use a little schooling on that to tell you the truth
2: well, it's interesting because etouffee is usually seafood-based with, like, more of a blonde roux, which is, like, flour and fat, sometimes oil mm-hmm. or butter or, mm-hmm. or lard. And uh, it's not overly cooked, but it's it's enough that it'll still thicken it but not too thick. Okay. Um really, very delicate, uh, especially with, like, crawfish or shrimp or oysters. Uh. Um, you can do the... Uh, this over like it's almost like a a, like it's not like a real thick chowder but like a a sauce that could go over rice. Mm -hmm. Um, Now then you look at gumbo and it's kind of the same thing but the roux is usually a lot darker Mm -hmm. and you'll cook the roux to like a a peanut butter or like a milk chocolate color Uh and that long cooking process adds all this extra depth and dimension, and then they cook the trinity, referring to the Catholics, uh, but they, in the culinary terms, it's uh, celery, onions, and peppers, and uh, you cook that down into the roux, and then you add in, you know, you can do ham, you could do pork, you could do chicken, you can do... uh, chicken and shrimp, you can do andouille sausage, mm. and uh, this is where you can get all these fun flavors, and then that's usually served over rice, where jambalaya is essentially the same thing, but with rice cooked into it.
0: Oh, Okay.
2: So kind of the three main big things when you start thinking about, and this is where, you know, you start thinking about instead of adding water or stock to these different dishes, beer adds a wonderful complexity. Um, You know, you start thinking about the New Orleans brewery, you know, Vita and Mm -hmm. you can use like an amber, but you know, In the Pacific Northwest, there is so many different ambers to choose from. That kind of malty richness, that caramely undertone, Mm a little bit of hot bite. You know, all those would be really good with anything with pork or uh, chicken or, you know, even some fish, I think would work really well. Yeah, or even Uh,
0: duck, huh? They could do duck. sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a little duck meat in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Yum. And what's that other... They have that other tasso...
2: Tasso. So tasso. tasso is a really neat product. Um, where basically they take uh, a pork butt and they'll rub it with spices. Uh, everything from onion powder, garlic powder, thyme, and uh, paprika. And like you can use a, the, the hot paprika or a smoked paprika and salt. And they kind of cure it. And actually in this month's issue of Beer Advocate, I took pig heads and did a beer brine using a tasso style flavoring and soaked those for about five to six days and then slow braise those instead of smoking because usually tasso hams smoked, but then you can slow braise them, take off all the meat that you can eat and then chop that up. And then you get a resulting stock that's phenomenal that you can actually use to make your gumbo and make a really killer gumbo with it.
0: Oh my goodness. I would have never thought of using pig's heads. But
2: hey. and this is where you get the cheek, you get the jowl, you get all the oh, yeah. All over the face, the right. ears, the tongue, all really, really good meat. And, you know, if you talk to your local butcher, you know, a pig head can run you 10 bucks for like a 10, 11 pound, uh, you know,
0: head. And then how <laughs> and, much meat do you get off of that then?
2: Uh, you can probably get about two and a half, three pounds worth of meat.
0: Wow, that's not bad then.
2: And you get about a good gallon or so of just amazing stock because you think about all the bones, all the sinuous tissue that's in there. And then if you're really clever, after you've braised uh, the pig head for about seven, eight hours, real low and slow on on the stovetop, you can uh, let it cool a little bit, carefully remove the head, and then kind of scrape off any of the soft fat and then you can put that aside and actually render that fat down to make your roux and mm. you get a really wonderful really rich uh real classic new orleans style gumbo uh with that because oh, yeah. um when you think about flavors it's all about layering you know i have a great opportunity of meeting paul Pruth home at one point Oh wow kind of the godfather of Cajun food uh, several years ago and uh, it was really kind of neat to think about, you know, to ask him and talk to him about spices and flavors and, you know, he's really known for his spice blends. You know, they have a combination of, you know, onion powder and garlic powder and paprika and thyme and bay leaf and marjoram or sage or all depending on the protein being used, Mm -hmm. uh, bay leaf sometimes too and some salt and you take this uh, spice mix and you kind of divide it up and so you kind of use some as you're making your roux at the very end of the roux, you don't burn your spices, but you're right. not paying them with the Trinity. And then once you add your stock and your beer, you can actually add you know, a little bit more, and now you're poaching your spices. Ooh. And then at the end, you kind of add a little bit more, and you're kind of layering these flavors, and you're cooking these spices in different ways that kind of integrate into the dish even more so to kind of really give it that New Orleans Creole Cajun flavor that uh, it's really known for, yeah. and this is where, like at the very end, you know, you finish it off with a little hot sauce. And uh, you get that perfect spice and heat and depth and you know, but it's not like you know you're sweating like jerk flavors. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really its own thing. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah. Well, so so what you're saying then is because you do a little bit with the roux and you and you cook that, you kind of are it almost, and then you do some more and you're poaching that. That creates di- those different layers, correct?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And this is where it's interesting, because when you really think about the history, I mean, you have the, the southern, you know, component where geographically that's where it is. But then you think about the French influence right. and, then, you know, from Africa and the slave trade and all these other things that kind of played into it in the Spanish. So there's really, it's a real melting pot. And then you think about these dishes that are long cooking and they really develop all these great flavors. It's kind of a neat dish and cuisine to explore because of all the different layers of flavor. Yeah, yeah. are you know, thickening it with, you know, either okra or sassafras mm-hmm. or filet powder, they call it. Right. Um, you don't do both. You do one or the other and that will kind of finish it up and picking up the, the gumbo really nicely. It's kind of a fun little thing.
0: Yeah, it's great stuff for sure. And real quick, because we've only just got about a minute, but uh, favorite beer to wash all that stuff down with, because that's a lot of flavor going on in there.
2: Oh, uh, I mean, this is where like a blackened voodoo is really fun. Oh, a yeah. beer, mm-hmm. something a little roasty. I like a good stout or a smoked porter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think an amber works really, really well, as well as even a hoppy IPA, just to kind of brighten it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe a, a something especially with a little citrus or something in it, just to give it a little... Punch,
2: definitely yeah. the citrus. And if you want to get real crazy, you can actually add some mango juice, some uh, passion fruit juice, and a little bit of grenadine to make kind of like a uh, hurricane IPA, Ooh. if you will. Nice, kind I like fun. that idea too. Cocktail.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I gotta say, laissez le bon temps rouler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank
2: thanks, you, Lisa. thank you so Be much, well.
0: Sean. And uh, we'll talk with you soon. All right, take care. And we'll have <laughs> more beer clock right after this on the Radio Northwest Network. There aren't too many pubs that are true legends, but the Horse Brass Pub in the Beer Cultural Center of Portland is one of those places. You know, the Horse Brass Pub has been at the forefront of the good beer movement for more than 37 years. Even before there were really craft brewers in Oregon, the Horse Brass was already tapped into the newest imports and combing the globe for great beer. That pioneering spirit is still going strong at the brass. Consistently listed among the top tap houses in the world, the Horse Brass is a beer mecca but still has the heart of a neighborhood pub. Find out for yourself. With more than 50 beers on tap and even more in the bottle, a great food menu, knowledgeable servers, and old-world charm, it's easy to see why people from near and far come to this legendary place to drink in everything that the Horse Brass Pub has to offer. It's not every day you run into a true legend, but you can anytime you want at the Horse Brass Pub at 4534 Southeast Belmont Street, right in the heart of Birvana. it's beer clock the show for people who love great beer brought to you by the horse press pub the heart of Beervana for 38 years I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I'm your loyal barkeep this and every week here in our virtual pub. You know, we have been meeting here for six years now, and we have also been named one of the top three beer radio shows in the country. That couldn't happen without the help of our sponsors, so let's give them a shout-out. Hopworks Urban Brewery, F.H. Steinbart's Home Brew Supply, The Horse Brass Pub, Belmont Station Bottle Shop and Beer Cafe, and Lompoc Beer. Let's give these folks your business, and let's thank them for giving craft beer a voice. Well, it's last call, and that means it's time for our beer of the week. Bridgeport Brewmaster Jeff Edgerton brings us Conviction Pale Ale. And Jeff, with a name like Conviction, it's got to have a great story.
4: Well, actually, the uh, Lisa, the story is... Uh is is really about the trilogy series that we did this last year. Yeah. Uh, it was the uh um, we did the trilogy 1, trilogy 2, trilogy 3 and uh from the very beginning I think we all uh, we all realized that trilogy 1 was a big hit for us which is the Crystal Dry Hop Pale Ale. Uh-huh. And so we uh we, we knew that we were going to be be bringing back whatever the beer was, whatever the, whatever the people voted for as the, uh, as the number one beer out of the series. We're going to be bringing it back. So this is the reincarnation of Trilogy 1 is what it amounts to. Um, and I wanted people to know that. It's not as obvious maybe as it could be from the label or from any kind of description, but this, this is exactly the same recipe, Trilogy 1. So this is Trilogy 1, now renamed uh, for a permanent place in our lineup called Conviction.
0: Uh, nice. Now, how did you guys come up with the name Conviction? You know... I just, don't really know. Just one of those marketing uh, I things. It, it
4: was. Uh, I, I wasn't the one that named it. It was. Uh, that was something that, that was came up through our marketing folks. But uh-huh. uh, you know, I like to think it's about uh, the conviction that we have to make incredibly great, uh, uh, great beers, and and to, our conviction to uh, to uh, to being part of the uh, the Oregon brewing scene, all that kind of stuff. So yeah,
0: works for me. It's a great name. And uh, so so this beer, like you said, it was it was the number one in the trilogy that you guys did last year for your thirtieth um, um, anniversary. You had right. uh, basically a beer for every decade. Right. Um this was number 1 and um how did how did people vote for this how did you get that feedback that uh that this was the one people were crazy about
4: Well this was this was a big social media thing so this mm-hmm. was Facebook and Twitter and right. Instagram any place that anybody could uh, could place votes, and people could even vote in our pub as well. So it was mm-hmm. uh, when the results started coming back. I mean, we, like I said, we knew from the very beginning. I think we had a hit from the uh, that people really, really enjoyed the beer a lot in the pub, and and that great response on the shelf when we first brought it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but uh, when the voting started, it was uh, it was uh, you know fifty percent uh, uh, trilogy one and twenty five percent of the other two, pretty much uh, pretty much a dead even through the entire <laughs> contest. So it was uh, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. But, uh, as soon as it got started, but. Uh, but uh, anyway, I think I think really it, uh, it 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 came out really nice and people really enjoy the beer. So yeah,
0: well, it was delicious beer and it still is. And I guess it's kind of nice to at least have your um you know kind of your anecdotal hey, it looks like this is doing well here on it's doing well on the shelf. Nice to have that uh, that verified with all the uh, with all the social media voting and all that good stuff, right? Yeah,
4: it it does help a lot. I mean, the, the people the people are you know the people are what buy the beer. The people are what make a beer really when it comes right down to it. I mean, we we. We have uh, we have our prejudices in terms of what we like for beers and what we what we like to drink, what we like to make as brewers. But what it really counts is 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 what our uh, what our drinking public likes uh, you know likes to drink. And and uh, they decided with their uh, with their votes that, uh, that the trilogy one now conviction is uh, was their favorites.
0: Excellent. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, thanks so much, Jeff Edgerton from Bridgeport, bringing us conviction pale ale, our beer of the week.
2: Festivals, tastings, and other celebrations. It's time to find out what's on. T- Sponsored by F.H. Steinbart Company, where if you can drink
0: it, you can make it. The bigger, batter, blacker mini festival is happening at Belmont Station. It started today and runs through Wednesday, featuring some of the biggest, darkest beers you can imagine. And they will be rotating through the entire event. So keep an eye on the draft list on their website and skedaddle on over when something strikes your fancy because it's going to be gone before you know it. Um, Some things to maybe keep an eye out for. um, Today is Deschutes Day. They're doing Black Butte um, 24, 25, and 26. Um, Sunday is Narwhal Night. Monday, they're featuring Stone with uh, the 2013 um, Imperial Russian Stout. And on Tuesday, it's Get Down with Barley Brown. So there's a lot of good stuff going on right there. Um, On Thursday... Uh, At the Brooklyn House restaurant, starting at 6 p.m., it's called Beer Cider Love. It's an intimate uh, love season evening with Cascadia's cutest craft beverage couple celebrating what they love the most besides each other. That would be um, Jenna and Tim Inson. They are having a private tour through some of their um, favorites, uh, Finn River Cider and Fort George. Brewing, And they're pairing that with some um, farm direct comfort foods, five courses plus five paired beverages plus gratuity equals 65 bucks. Well, so many beers in so little time. So if you have an event you'd like to promote or you just want to talk beer anytime, you can reach me at real.beergoddess at gmail.com. And I leave you this time with some really good advice from Jimmy Breslin. Don't trust a brilliant idea unless it survives the hangover. That's it for Beer O'Clock this week. I'm Lisa Morrison reminding you that life is short, so drink that good stuff while you can. Be awesome, laugh often, and until next time, cheers, everybody.